I think it has definite merit. <laughs> Already, King Nebuchadnezzar is forgetting his vow to worship Daniel's god and is returning to his usual allegiance to Baal and the other local Babylonian deities. <laughs> uh, but do you think he'll see through the plan? Who? Nebuchadnezzar? Mm -hmm. Never. He is too proud and self-exalting even to suspect an ulterior motive behind a plan to further exalt and make famous his name. <laughs> then you're with us, and you'll go with me to see his majesty? I am. And I will, if you will do the talking. Uh, gladly. <laughs> Daniel 
of Nebuchadnezzar, great king and founder of mighty Babylon. Yes, I founded Babylon. And it shall last forever. Indeed it shall, Your Majesty. And that is precisely why the High Priest and I have come to confer with thee. Words are meaningless. Just why are you here? O oh, King, thou knowest that thou art great, even as the gods. And we wise men and priests know it. But the people are not sure. They still fear that Daniel spoke truth when he said that Babylon would come to an end. And Daniel did say that, and come to think of it, I don't like it. I am strong and wise. The empire I founded is strong and indestructible. The buildings I have built are beautiful and everlasting. My kingdom shall have no ending. Exactly, Your Majesty. And the people should be told this. They should be made to realize that thou art the greatest king ever to rule among the kingdoms of men. You come in direct contact with the people, High Priest. Just what do the people think about me and my kingdom? I hesitate to say this, O king, because thou art a powerful king, just, mighty, kind, thoughtful, wise. But the people, they still remember and ponder the words of Daniel. Babylon shall fall, and another kingdom shall take its place, an inferior nation even as silver is inferior to gold. I must do something to correct the thinking of my people. <clears throat> uh, with His Majesty's permission, I should like to make a suggestion. Permission granted. The image thou sawest in thy dream, O King, was an imposing one. Why not reproduce it in all its splendor? Let the huge image become the national god, a god representing his majesty. The people shall bow down and worship the image, and thus acknowledge the supremacy and never-ending godliness of thee, O king. Mm, I am much pleased with your suggestion, wise man, and it shall be carried out. The image I build shall be like the one I dreamed about, except my image shall be entirely of gold. And the people shall know that Babylon is eternal, and that it shall break into pieces all other kingdoms. It shall stand forever. Hail to Nebuchadnezzar, everlasting king of Babylon. Gather together the wise men and counselors and keepers of my treasure house, the chief of my builders, and all the officers of my court. We shall draw up plans for the image and start building it at once. You may withdraw. Long live Nebuchadnezzar, everlasting king of Babylon. Open the door, guard, that we may depart. <laughs> he fell for it. I told you he would. <laughs> With his boundless ambition, selfish pride, and enthusiasm, he will build such an image. <laughs> uh, even so, huh? I fail to see how this will get rid of Daniel and his three friends. There is enough gold in thy treasure house, O king, to build an image of gold to the height of 60 cubits. So shall it be. We have investigated every available and likely place, Your Majesty, and suggest that the image be built in the plain of Dura. It is so ordered. Captain, I charge you with the full responsibility of guarding the gold being transported from my treasure house to the plain of Dura. Also, the image after it is built. Yes, Your Majesty. The image is about finished, Your Grace. About time, don't you think, to make another visit to the king with further um, suggestions? Mm, the final <laughs> phase in your scheme, to be rid of Daniel and the three worthies? <laughs> the final touch. <laughs> 
the golden image at Dura is about finished, Your Majesty. So I hear. Until His Majesty sees the image for himself, he can have no idea how imposing it is. The Babylonians have never seen anything nearly as majestic as this resplendent statue. The people accustomed to idol worship will be enthusiastic in their worship of the beautiful and priceless image representing the glory of Babylon and its magnificence and power. Thou art this image of gold, O king. Yes. And in bowing down and worshipping the image, the people will be bowing down and worshipping me. I shall be the newest and most powerful of all the Babylonian gods. <laughs> in keeping with this, may we suggest that His Majesty issue a decree commanding the princes and rulers of all nations and tongues to gather at Dura on a certain day and bow down and worship the golden image? I can see it now. The plain crowded with admiring people. Yeah. At a given signal, everyone shall bow down and worship the image. Me! <laughs> the king will issue such a decree. Immediately. I shall have the scribe write the decree upon a parchment. Then send messengers to all corners of the earth, commanding all princes and rulers to attend the dedication of the image at Dura. Oh. day came, and a vast concourse from all nations, people, languages assembled on the plain of Dura. Every man of any importance from all over the earth is here to worship my image. I am great. I am invincible. I am all-powerful. I am God. <laughs> oh, scribe, is all in readiness? All is ready, Your Majesty. The furnace? It burns furiously, Your Majesty. Ready to receive and consume anyone who dares refuse to bow down and worship thy image. No one has the courage to refuse to obey my command. Start the ceremony. Yes, Your Majesty. Quiet! Quiet! To you it is commanded, O people, nations, and languages, that when you hear the music, you shall fall down and worship the golden image that Nebuchadnezzar the king hath set up. And whoso falleth not down and worshipeth, shall the same hour be cast in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. So be it. Musicians, give the signal. Wonderful. All the important people of the world bowing to my image, paying me homage. I truly am God. Uh, uh, I beg his majesty's permission to speak. Permission granted. Uh, live forever, great and mighty king and god of all Babylon. Bow thyself to the ground and have done with oh. your speech. <clears throat> oh, king, there are those who bowed not at the blowing of the trumpets. Someone actually refuses to obey my commands? Of the truth, your majesty. Three captive slaves from Jerusalem. Captain! Seize the three men who refuse to bow down and worship my image. Cast them into the fiery furnace. No. No, bring them hither to me. I would look upon those who dare disobey me. Oh. 
all eyes of that great throng of people watched as soldiers slowly made their way to where three captives from Jerusalem, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, stood. The soldiers seized the three and dragged them back and cast them roughly at the foot of the throne upon which sat the mighty and angry Nebuchadnezzar. Suddenly, a strange silence hung over the multitude as each ear strained to hear every word spoken by their king and to watch three young men cast into the fiery furnace. The golden image was forgotten. The attention of that great crowd centered upon the three young men from Jerusalem, three captives who had dared disobey the command of the great Nebuchadnezzar. We'll continue the Bible story tomorrow. And if you would like to add these stories to listen to at home, you can call the Bible in Living Sound at 1-800-634-0234. That's 1-800-634-0234. Now here's some more music before we have to say goodbye. everyone. This is Live with Sam. I'm Sam, and I'm here with my mother to discover more of her secrets for cooking amazing meals using nothing but fruits, vegetables, grains, nuts, beans, and legumes. Mom, let's talk beans. Are you sure you want to? Yes, beans are delicious. But they give you such gas. Mom! You blow up like a balloon. Mom! The whole neighborhood knows when you've had beans for lunch. Okay, let's move on to vegetables. Why do you serve your family so many vegetables each day? I'm glad you asked that question, Sam. Vegetables are like nature's health food store. They contain so many nutrients and vitamins. There's not a pill, prescription, or packaged food on earth that can touch them. Totally healthy. Unfortunately, most people don't eat anywhere near enough vegetables each day. Then they get sick and wonder why. How about fruits? One word, antioxidants. What's that? Only the greatest cancer fighter known to man. When cancer is growing in your body, those cancer cells need oxygen to live and multiply. Antioxidants arrive at the cancer site and basically remove oxygen from those cells. 
then they can't grow and multiply. Is eating fruit the only way to get these antioxidants into your body? Well, they're also available in beans, but I don't think you want to talk about beans. Yes, right. Let's not talk about beans. This is Live with Sam. Goodbye. God has given us everything we need to be healthy inside and out. During Creation Week, He established a health plan for every creature on earth. To learn more about healthy living and about the God who created us all, go to kidsbibleinfo.com. That's kidsbibleinfo.com. This program was brought to you by the Children's Ministries Department of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Boys and girls, this is Ms. Kathy. I'm so happy you've joined me today for another story just for you. Chapter 2, Underground Railroad. That was pretty scary yesterday, wasn't it? Maria said when she and Chris met up with Sammy and Dee Dee on the playground before school. Yeah, but I feel guilty for going into Mr. Chambers' house, Sammy said. That wasn't right. We were trespassing. I asked God to forgive me. I guess you're right, Dee Dee said, but the thought of ringing the bell and seeing Mr. Chambers up close was just too scary. Besides, Maria said, you didn't really go in, only your arm did. I think it was still wrong not to ask, Sammy replied. Well, Chris said, if Maria would learn how to pitch the ball right, we wouldn't hit toward the house. A lot you know about hitting the ball, too, Maria said. Chris ignored his sister and turned to Sammy. What was it you were telling us about the round window last night, he asked. You said something was really strange about the house. Sammy explained how the round window they could see from outside the house couldn't be seen inside the kitchen. But the window was only a few feet away from the window I was in, Sammy said, and there was no door in the kitchen leading to another room at the back of the house. He also explained how the back wall had two kinds of wallpaper on it. It almost looks like somebody extended the wall one time but couldn't find the same wallpaper to match. Maybe someone built a room off the kitchen with an outside entrance, Dee Dee suggested. Uh-uh, Chris shook his head. Once I had to look for a ball that went into the trees behind the house. I was all along the back of the house. There's no back door. That's why I said it was a weird house, Sammy said. That round window has to open up somewhere inside. Just then the bell rang and the kids filed into their classrooms. Sammy liked school. He liked to learn new things. Sammy really liked to read about history. His favorite period of history was the Civil War in the 1860s when the North fought the South over the issue of slavery. They were studying about the slaves in history class. Listen up, class, Mrs. Parker said. We've been learning about how the slaves lived on the southern plantations. We've discussed their long work days and about how they were frequently mistreated simply because they were black. The white plantation owners didn't think the black people were as good as they were. These wrong beliefs and hatred of the black people were then passed on from generation to generation. Yes, Sammy? But why didn't the slaves just leave the plantations if they were mistreated, he asked. That's a good question, Mrs. Barker said. But they couldn't leave. They were owned by the plantation owners and couldn't leave unless the owners freed them or gave up ownership of them. That was the law at that time. But why, Sammy insisted, didn't they try to sneak away? That, Mrs. Parker answered, is exactly what we're going to talk about today, the Underground Railroad. A railroad that went underground, Maria asked. Mrs. Parker smiled. No, it wasn't a real railroad at all. 
Underground meant it was secret. It was really a series of safe houses that a runaway slave could hide in as he made his way from the southern slave states of Virginia, the Carolinas, and Georgia, to free states in the north, such as Pennsylvania and New York. Slavery was illegal in the north, so if a slave made it there, he was safe. But couldn't the slaves be found at these houses, Maria questioned? I mean, the slave owners would be looking for the escaped slaves. Couldn't they just check inside all the houses in the area? That thought occurred to the people who hid slaves in their houses, Mrs. Parker answered. That's why these people often made secret entrances into their houses so no one could see the slaves come in. Many also made secret hiding places for the slaves to stay out of sight. Some even created secret rooms in their houses or barns. Bells and whistles went off inside Sammy's head. A secret room. That's what is wrong with Mr. Chambers' house, he thought. There must be a hidden room between the kitchen and the back of his house, right where the small round window is located, and where the wall curved and the two wallpapers met must be where a room has been added on. But why? There was never an underground railroad in this area. Why would anybody need a secret room? Sammy! Sammy! Mrs. Parker called. Sammy jumped. He had lost track of the class discussion. Sammy, Mrs. Parker said, I was asking the class if anyone would like to do a report on secret hiding places and rooms of the Underground Railroad. When you didn't raise your hand, I knew you hadn't heard me. Would you like to do the report? It will count as extra credit. Sure, Sammy said. He didn't care about the extra credit. He planned to do research at the library about secret rooms anyway. In the lunchroom, Sammy and Maria found Chris and Dee Dee, and they sat down at a table together. Sammy told Chris and Dee Dee what he and Maria learned in history class that morning about the Underground Railroad. They used secret rooms to hide the runaway slaves, Sammy said. And you know that little window opens up somewhere inside Mr. Chambers' house. Why don't you all come to the library with me after school? I'm doing a report on secret rooms in houses that were part of the Underground Railroad. And maybe we'll learn something about secret rooms in houses in this part of the country. Dee Dee, Chris, and Maria looked blankly at Sammy. What do you care about secret rooms in Mill Valley houses, Maria asked. Sammy sighed. Because, he said, I think there's a secret room in Mr. Chambers' house. The story you have heard today is a chapter of The Shoebox Kids, Book 9, The Secret of the Hidden Room, written by Nancy Speck, edited and created by Jerry D. Thomas, and used with permission from the Pacific Press Publishing Association. If you're interested in any other books published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, please visit AdventistBookCenter.com or call 1-800-765-6955. This podcast is a production of the Carolina Conference of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. Let the children come. Don't dare drive them away. And then the kingdom comes. Hear the holy foolish things they say. The springtime of their life decides the adults they'll become. The children come, please let the children come. Children's Bible Journey was brought to you by 3ABN Australia Radio and is a production of Life Talk Radio at lifetalk.net.